Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? Lucky, that's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Welcome to the Reformatory Podcast, where we engage in stuff loosely based around Reformed Baptistic theology, life, practice in American culture, and hip-hop. My name is Daniel Corey. I'm a pastor at King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. And I'm Josh Loftus, member at said King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. And Daniel, my ever-so-culturally-savvy friend. Happy National Rat Catchers Day. See, that's a, that is a holiday I can get behind. They get a day. They get a dude. Of all dudes, thank, a day, that should be a day. Thank your local rat catcher today. Yes, I want they, to thank you. Murphy, if you're listening, he's my rat guy. They are doing the work of the Nard. They are doing good work. Speaking of cultural references, you think we had a, like a grouping of guys that worked at a, like a rat or rodent extermination? Yeah, they would be called the Rat Pack. Yeah. Right, that's sure. yeah, I, yeah. It is culture. It's just like you know, nineteen forties culture. But that's okay. That's hey, okay. I'm, Still, I'm working my way up one decade. You are, and, you know, and, and it might even be fifties. But yes, can you name the the members of the Rat Pack? Frank Sinatra. Good. Yes. Dean Martin. Yep. Louis Armstrong. <laughs> no. Dang it. I was doing so well. Louis <laughs> Armstrong. Now, all right, we're moving on. Daniel, how are you, man? I'm a little tired, man. Uh, as you know, I'm exhausted. We are the proud owners of a beautiful, perfect, tireless, biting little puppy. <laughs> Uh, given to us by your sister, Faith from Faithful Labradors. Yeah. Who does an amazing job, by the way. Yes, she does. Yeah. Those... And she gave us something that said the dog food we bought for our dog is poison and we shouldn't feed it to him. And uh, another good thing and helpful things, but we got a puppy. We, ha- we have a eight week old chocolate lab whom we've named Scout. Scout. And dude 
it's good that God made puppies so cute. Oh yeah. Say that because they do a lot of work and they yep. don't sleep much at night, but they sleep all day getting ready <laughs> for the night. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, dude, scout. I love that little puppy. So I had, I had the blessing and I, and I will call it a blessing of being the transportation, at least halfway of scout from his home in sunny, blisteringly hot Eastern Washington to at least this week, sunny, blisteringly hot <laughs> Western Washington. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, so we had a plan. Had yes. A plan. It, and it was a good plan. It was a great plan. You were going to drive home, spend some time. Yep. Uh, say farewell to your gramps. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Pick up the dog. Meet us in Bratwurst, which, or Bratwurst, Leavenworth, which <laughs> is Bratwurst heaven. My mind was already on the Bratwurst. It was already on the Bratwurst. Yeah, Leavenworth, uh, Washington is home to the most delicious Bratwursts you have ever had in your life. The Munchen House. And the Munchen House. The Munchen House. And the plan was to meet in the middle. I bring you the dog. And as payment for my taxi services, mm -hmm. you purchase me Bratwurst for well, lunch, I was going to buy you that, that cheddar dog, which is not technically a brat, but you like it. It's a ch cheddar jalapeno Bratwurst. That's what it says on the menu. Just because it's not a traditional Bratwurst does not mean that it is not a bratwurst. I love how sensitive you are on it. You and I love how rate I me on this. Uh, you no, know, you pick, 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 pick. You found <laughs> this little tick where I'm very specific, and you're like, oh, that, that. that I'm that just gonna shoot at that all day long. <laughs> anyway, so, it's delicious. It, so it, that was the plan. Away, yeah, according to the Google, and I thought, you know what? Good little family outing. Drive right. up to the mountains, have some brats, the excitement in, in the car. Yeah. And on my drive east, I hit hellacious traffic. Right. And I told you about this traffic when I showed up, but it was it was almost a hundred degrees, which by Washington standards is hot. It's hot. And you had been in a car and in Leavenworth for a long time before I showed up. Yeah, I had heard. Traffic. Yeah, because of traffic, I had been waiting for you. And then I offered to buy you a brat, and it was so hot, you declined said bratwurst. And I didn't. I've never, like, I I heard the words come out of my mouth, and I I couldn't even believe that I was saying that because <laughs> those brats are so good. So like I have traveled two and a half hours for the express purpose of eating those brats before. Yeah. It was, so, it was so hot. It I was, was going to so eat two of them. I know there was going to be delicious, but it was over a hundred degrees. The yeah. last thing on my mind was, you know, what sounds really good right now. A spicy a, bratwurst. A spicy bratwurst. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't on, it was, it wasn't on the radar. Some, a trip that should have taken no more than four hours ended up taking eight. Right. Because people wanted to go to the river. Anyway, long story. I was ahead of Josh because he went to get his wife a nice cold coffee, I assume. Yes. Um, and so you, you were lagging behind me a bit. And I warned you of the traffic I was hitting. Mm. And we took a detour because Google told us to. And Google never lies. No. 
And there's this little like jaunt, because there are all these accidents because people weren't paying attention. And there's a nice little jaunt through some like neighborhoods in the middle of nowhere. And apparently this is not the first time traffic has been rerouted because there were citizens of that neighborhood. Dude, they were they were in lawn chairs on the side of the road with signs telling people that this is not an alternate route. And then calling you an idiot. And then calling you an idiot and aggressively like waving at you. <laughs> so you warned me about these people. Like this, so these, I, these I, rednecks. I, I, did that Marco you? You did. You're like, dude, like, Bro, watch out for the chairs. Over. You've got to do this. Just because I knew you would love to see a bunch of rednecks get dude, super so aggro at you. My question is this. Like, it's obvious by the setup. This is an event for them. Sunday night. You know what we all do on the top of Stevens Pass? We all get our lawn chairs out. We take it to the end of our driveway and yell at all the uh, yell at all the <laughs> all, all, all the all the city folk unfortunates <laughs> using our road as an alternate route. Oh, but anyway, you long story it. short, it didn't shorten it by much. What should have been a two hour or two and a half hour trip took four. Yeah, at least four and a half hours. It was the worst car ride I've ever had in my life. So that that's what uh, that's that that's what we've been up to, and you know, Josh, that whole experience reminded me of the importance for churches to be evangelizing people. <laughs> because in that specific moment, I needed Jesus <laughs> so bad. <laughs> no, you needed him when you were talking about all the cars that were parked on the road, so oh. people didn't have to walk to the river, and it was slowing traffic down for. Um, I I was I was very grumpy. Sanctification was definitely being tested that trip. So if you had a baseball bat and we're in the passengers, well, we won't go there. Yeah, but, yeah, let's, um, let's please not. No. So we've been talking about marks of a solid church that you should be attending yeah and what to look for if you're shopping and kind of how to think through things and the marks as you are window shopping churches that's right using the swag bags (laughs) um we thought you know up there with preaching uh biblical theology church membership biblical uh form of government um, one of the things on that list would be having a witness to christ in the world and josh every time we talk about this you you compulsively call it soul winning soul winning <laughs> why is that i'm gonna go win some souls i'm gonna go soul winning i'm gonna go door to door soul winning <laughs> i uh, i don't I mean, call it that i call it that in jest <laughs> what, what do you really call it man fishing <laughs> man fishing that's amazing dude yep from now on that's what i'm calling it hey y'all y'all come on wednesday night we're all going man fishing man fishing we're talking about evangelism evangelism that's what we're talking about why don't we use the the biblical term which spoiler yeah uh, you can't make me feel bad about it now uh, after you said that i almost don't like the term evangelism has nothing to do with the word has nothing to do with the kind of content of what the Bible talks about with it. It's um, 
it's that we relegate it to this small little piece of life. That's that's the issue I don't like. So I don't. It, the problem is not with the term. The problem sure. is maybe the way we think about the role that bearing witness to God uh, has in our life or evangelism. We often think of evangelism as like a small team of people at the church. Yep. You have, have your evangelism team. You have your evangelism team. Yeah. Um, which at a church I attended in the past, which I won't disclose the name don't, of. Don't don't mention. Times with space community church in southern california um oh my goodness okay <laughs> the evangelism team would actually put out um posters that had like hellfire on them telling people like basically if you don't join the evangelism team you don't wow. care people burning. <laughs> was that effective did you join no. Oh, well, you're going to hell. <laughs> took pictures of the signs, and then the same person wrote like a very uh, passive aggressive note on a whiteboard, but grabbed a permanent marker. Oh, my of, goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, let's, so, let's move on. Let's move on. Josh, how would you define evangelism? Um, I would define evangelism as sharing the full and true gospel. And what I mean by sharing is like actually using words. Yes, actions and lifestyle is part of it. But what's that saying? Preach, uh, preach the gospel and sometimes use words. I don't know who said that. Such a, it's so, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. So would having a Christian fish on your car count? No, in fact, in fact, please don't do that because all it takes is for you to cut one person off. And they're like, yep, there we go. Another Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever you don't know what to think second they don't know how to drive they don't know how to drive yeah honk if you love jesus bumper stickers is not evangelism um, what's up with the bumper sticker jesus is and then it's the space jesus is i've seen those i haven't seen those in a hot minute dude but i remember that i think it was just kind of i don't know if it was like <laughs> this yeah i don't know if it was like this postmodern thing like jesus is is like whatever or yes. like jesus is either whatever you want him to be or jesus is everything so he simply is I don't know. Either way, it was confusing. And as an actual Christian, I came away confused and my day was ruined. <laughs> Is it more than a Facebook status or not uh, a status, but a like a info about you? Yes. If just putting Christian or Christ follower or Jesus freak in your Jesus freak. in your Facebook profile, um, that is not evangelism. So you would say actually communicating to someone in written form in by speaking mm -hmm. the basic tenets of the gospel it doesn't have to be a systematic theology nope but they need to know yeah they god. need to know who who god is mm -hmm. they need to know because of who god is the problem that we have as sinful people mm -hmm. and the true and only solution to the problem of our sinful nature, and that is Christ's sacrifice and resurrection. It needs to encompass the bare truths of the gospel, and they need to be communicated. Uh, they, they need to actually be communicated. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I would add to it um, that there needs to be a call to respond to those truths. And that, yes, and that call is repentance. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. That That is what you are calling individuals to do. If you are truly sharing the gospel, it can't be void of repentance. 
there has to be that response there. It's not just giving them the information and then, oh yeah, okay, that's all, you know, that's all it takes is no, no, this information requires a response from the individual. And part of sharing that, part of sharing the gospel is making that individual aware of the required response. Yeah, we, uh, I think it was in one of the classes in seminary, we had a little like four by six card that we would use. And uh, it's just really helpful to think through in four, four pieces, God, man, Christ, response. Those were like the four t- headings under which we'd hit everything. So God, creator, holy, his law, man, fallen, made in God's image, subject mm-hmm. to God's wrath, unable to save himself, Christ, the perfect fulfillment of the law, God and man, um, died atoningly, rose victoriously, ascended on high, respond with faith, um, belief, repentance. Yeah. Uh, that has to be communicated in some form, shape, or, or something or other. Now, by response, are you talking about like signing the date in the inside of your Bible? That's kind of what you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely, definitely. Make sure that 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 you sign that. That's important. Um, and then make sure that right after that you go buy a T-shirt saying "I just got saved." Did they make those? Well, they do now. I'm going to create a store. The reformatory store. <laughs> Swag store. <laughs> I just got saved. It's the reformatory pod. Hashtag maybe on the back. Hashtag Calvinism. Yeah. So. <laughs> The response you're looking for is not like a sign the front of your Bible, though I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with the practice of if you do know the day that you were converted, sign it. I don't think you should feel bad if you don't. But No, if, if you actually, I mean, I don't. If you know the day you were, that's a cool day. Like It's like a second birthday, and it's better than your first birthday. Um, but a lot of churches, when they call for response, there's their, their, their view of evangelism is some very dramatic – Yes, hand in the air, come down to the front, get on your knees, uh, get get baptized right now, like right this minute. We have a dunk tank. Or or every head bowed, every eye closed. Yes. And I see that hand. I see that hand, and there's no hands raised because my eyes were open the entire time. Psych! <laughs> you, were, you were that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so come on. You're still that guy, aren't you? I, oh yeah, well yeah. If I well, I'm even more that guy now. <laughs> so when I ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, you don't do that? No, I'm staring straight into your soul, man. And the, what the weird thing is you stare right back at me and we just stare at each other for two minutes while you're playing. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. <laughs> so if that is evangelism, how do you gauge I feel weird saying it this way, but what does success look like? So do you sure. do you have like as a church or as an individual, like a counting system, a measuring system? How do right, you determine right. whether a church or an individual's quote unquote evangelism is successful? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean if you're if giving, you're giving those, up, those up, then, oh, you're terrible. then it's good. No. Um, <laughs> I think if, if we are going to, if we're going to ask the question, you know, what, what does successful evangelism look like? I think we have to, one, not abandon our theology of salvation. We know for a fact the only reason and the only way an individual is saved is because of the work of the Holy Spirit opening their eyes. It's not based on the effectiveness of our arguments or the effectiveness of our evangelism. 
People are saved because of Christ and because the Spirit does the work, period, stop. So to put the pressure onto an individual as, well, the barometer of your success, whether or not you had a successful evangelism experience or a successful evangelism encounter, is whether or not they got saved. Yeah. Um, that is such a <laughs> discouraging and harmful and I will say unbiblical barometer of success. Yeah. Um, I think the true barometer of success is, did you do it? Did you share the gospel with them? Did mm -hmm. you give them the gospel of Christ? If you did, you did what you were called to do as a Christian. And the rest is up to God. So even if, if someone didn't get converted that day, you even if somebody, even if somebody upon hearing the gospel spits in your face, curses God and walks away. You would call that a success. That is a successful evangelism uh, encounter, if you will. I can't think of a better word for it. Yeah. 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 And, and that's kind of been the view. Um, well, not recently, but um, historically, especially in the reformed church, mm -hmm. um, missionaries like Adoniram Judson or William uh, Carey, ministered for years mm. in tough places, no converts. Right. I would right. call well, them a success. Look at the prophet, prophet Jeremiah, same thing. Super big failure. If you're looking for the, yeah, the barometer of success is people saved and, if, and, and the, the influence of the evangelist uh, going out, Jeremiah was the biggest failure in the Bible. Jeremiah was a failure and Jonah was a rock star. Dude, Jonah. Yes, that guy. Yeah. No, no, no. I am not calling the prophet Jeremiah a failure because he was, here's the thing. He did what the Lord told him to do. Mm -hmm. He was obedient. He spoke the words of the Lord faithfully, no matter the consequences and no matter the response, right? And if we look at the Great Commission, if we look at the, the, the reason we are still here on earth, it is to preach the gospel of Christ. And the response, the result of that, is completely 100% in the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's not on your shoulders. It's not up to you. So does that mean we should do it um, super dispassionately and just be like cold-hearted Calvinist? No, we are not hyper-Calvinists. <laughs> I'm going to recite truth to you. <laughs> no, because here's the thing. Even though <laughs> the doctrine of election is such a freeing doctrine and it should free you and take all of the pressure off of you to evangelize and give you the ability and the desire to evangelize with passion and with emotion and with fervency because you don't have the pressure of this person's soul is on me. Mm -hmm. You don't have that pressure. You are free to preach the gospel of Christ as fervently as you can, because you know the Holy Spirit is going to take that truth and use it however it wants. That should spur you to share the gospel in, with excitement and with joy, because you don't have that that pressure weighing you down. But there is pressure, right? Like in the sense of that that person is a lost soul mm -hmm. in need of hearing the gospel. Oh yeah. And if God doesn't move, then they they will perish. So yeah. there's there's that sense, but it, that but that pressure isn't like, oh, I said the I you know I didn't I wasn't as slick as I should be, and so their soul is on my head. 
Right, right. It's not a, it, no, no, it's not a, a um, deliberate, debilitating. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that the word? Uh, yeah. Type of pressure. It's a pressure that provides, I think, a sense of urgency that we need to be doing this because there are lost people out there. That's, that's the pressure. It's not this pressure that weighs you down and, and causes you to, to not do it out of fear. Sure. Uh, it's a pressure that provides, I think, a biblical sense of urgency that the time is short. These people need Christ. And mm-hmm. I am in a place and a time right now where I have the opportunity and the duty biblically to do so. Mm-hmm. Would you say, so you use the word duty. Uh, I've heard some people say that the Great Commission, that was just for the disciples. Um, that was <laughs> Jesus talking to the, well, they, they always say the 12, but there were only 11 at that point, mm-hmm. um, to the 11, and is not binding on the church today. What would you say if someone, you know, um, say, hey, I, I heard would... a pastor say this one time. I would say in all grace that that's probably an argument made for someone who's uh, either too lazy or too scared to share the gospel. <laughs> because that's, you can't, you cannot anywhere biblically make that stance. It's just not there. It's not there. Like, I mean, otherwise, the minute we are converted, we would disappear and be brought up, brought up to heaven. Like, we are here for a reason. And so and you, and you would say that that is to share the gospel. It is. It is ultimately to share the gospel and to bring God glory through that. Mm-hmm. That is. That is why we are here. Yep. That is. That is the mission of the Christian. So, what does that look like? So, if someone's listening to us, says, "Okay," because I like honestly, I know it's a little tongue in cheek. I've heard several people say the Great Commission's not for us today. It, it was for the disciples. Um, mm-hmm. Not for us, and we don't want to be taking, you know, hijacking things that were for them and apply them to us. I mean, uh, I would ask that person though, like, so how does the gospel get spread then? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you believe the truth of the gospel is administered? Mm-hmm. Do you think, it, do you think it's a completely supernatural thing? Like, people just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, I need Jesus. Like, is yeah. How does that happen? I think I think honestly most Christians think that evangelism or yeah, what's called that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that word. Is I mean, I, I dare you to. Can you come up with a better one? <laughs> Witnessing. Witnessing. Man Witnessing. fishing. Dude, let's just call it man fishing from now on. <laughs> so you know that's the name of uh, Bunyan wrote a book, The Art of Man Fishing, or was it Bunyan? It was a Puritan wrote a book called The Art of Man Fishing. Yeah, I mean, they said a lot of weird-sounding things back then. That's true. But that's all right. But uh, I, th- I think most Christians think of evangelism as a good thing, mm. but not a necessary thing. And that if you aren't gifted with evangelism, like you don't have the gift of being an evangelist, that right. you don't have to do it. And I guess I, I would turn that around a little bit um, and say, well, we also believe that there are some people who are gifted with mercy but that doesn't give me license to not be merciful <laughs> it's like you know sorry mercy's not my gift not my uh, gifting you're, you're dead <laughs> you know some people have you know the gift of you know serving others doesn't mean like i'm off the hook you know so a lot of people think it as a good they it's a good thing but they would say that they're not personally gifted with that thing and so um they wouldn't call it a duty they wouldn't say that for me to do it is 
obeying God and for me to not, and this is where the rub, for me to not do it is disobeying God. Yeah, I would say that I, I truly believe that after one individual has been saved, if there is not a desire there to share and to express the grace that you have been given that others might hear and receive the same, I would, I would humbly suggest that there's, there's an issue there. There's some, there's a problem. And, and, and there's a problem because if you have been saved, I mean, here's the thing. Let's look at the, the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Mm-hmm. He had been forgiven so much, his entire debt wiped clean yeah. by the king. And he goes, he goes around and does not extend the same grace that he had been given to another. Um, and that greatly, greatly displeased the king. The king even uses a word to define that servant, usually reserved in scripture for Satan. He says, you wicked, you wicked servant. I forgave you all this debt. And you did not in turn forgive uh, your brother. I think that gives us a picture of the 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 importance of sharing the gift of grace that we have been given with others because I believe it's a dis I believe it's dishonoring to Christ to not express our gratitude and our thankfulness and our love for him and what he has given us by sharing it with others that are in just as much need as we were. I think that's a very dishonoring thing. Agreed. So what is it? What does it look like? Well, I think it can look a lot of different ways. I think it looks, um, I think you see a lot of different man- manifestations, if you will, or techniques of evangelism. Some that I believe are more effective than others. Uh, Like you mentioned, you have evangelism teams that churches create with the express purpose of uh, evangelizing the community, setting up events, or, you know. And I'm totally not against having people who are gifted and passionate about it doing more organized forms of it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against that. I'm against that being the only way that that works its way to the church. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think if you're not careful, that can breed like a, well, you know, that's what our team does. So I don't have to do it. Right. It's like the worship team. They're the only ones who worship. They're the only ones who worship. Yeah. It's just the worship team <laughs> and they do it so badly. Like, like why can't we? <laughs> uh, you have, to no. have that drummer in a cage. He's yeah, man. Famous. Look at that, that cage stage drummer. That's right. Um, yeah, no. So I think, I think you can look a lot of different ways. I think a lot of ways we see it in today's society. Um, I think some older methods, like, dude, you remember chick tracks? Everyone talks about those. And Dude, I've never seen one. My goodness gracious. You got to Google chick tracks. So they are, they are an interesting, um, I'll just leave it there. They're interesting. <laughs> it's basically, yeah. 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 Cartoon, cartoon depictions of uh, consequences of, you know, what happens if you don't like <laughs> accept Jesus into your heart. Um, so that's, that's can one method. Still, can you still order them? I, I think I think you can. I think oh. you can. So so a lot, tracks, a lot of tracks is have tracks. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not against. I think evangelism <laughs> is more than that. 
Um, I don't like tracks. There's some good ones, man. I don't like tracks. Why don't you like them? I don't. I think it's again. This is gonna sound. This is gonna sound super pretentious i'm not trying i'm not trying to sound this way i'm really not but and 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 i don't think this is across the board i want to caveat that i don't think this across the board but i think tracks just kind of breed laziness like here here's something that will do the work for me and and you never end up actually having a conversation or actually having to share the gospel yourself if something else can do it for you and again, I know I realize that sounds super pretentious. I don't mean to be mean, and I do not think that that is the way across the board. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they can be. I think that is a danger of. It could be used as an easy way out. Right, right, and and again, like I'm not, I'm not against like handing out tracks with Halloween candy or something like that. Like I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not. Well, uh, how about putting them on windshields? <laughs> that's just annoying here's the thing your evangelism should not be annoying and an inconvenience if you will to your fellow man don't like spray paint the gospel on someone's car that's not going to show well, the gonna, love of christ that's called, called e vandalism yeah well and leaving tracks uh, everywhere is littering <laughs> <laughs> leaving no, tracks as long as it touches the ground now yes yeah i get you think all those tracks you're putting on people's windshields are not touching the ground <laughs> not until they throw them on it exactly yeah well my hands are clean on that point <laughs> now uh, i'm not some good ones uh a, a a what's it called an appointment you must keep yeah yeah here here's the thing one. to provide balance why don't you actually give some recommendations of some tracks that you would actually recommend i don't want I don't uh, want to campaign this argument. Keep is a great one. Uh, Desiring God has uh, some really good ones. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Piper's got a couple out um, that are really good. DG, you can get on their website and see what they've got. Um, two Ways is mm-hmm. a real simple one. Um, I think tracks can serve a good purpose if if you are in a context where you are not availed the chance to talk to someone. Okay. Then I think that could be a good use. Mm -hmm. If that's the only method you use, I think that's, I think that's pretty flawed. Um, But if there's a chance where you're able to dispense them, um, especially in in places where you're not like allowed to, um, a lot of people hand them out in venues where you're not allowed to actually like verbally engage someone. You're allowed oh, to hold like, out. Like Mark Driscoll at the Masters at the, at the Shepherds Conference handing out his books. Yes. Like that. Just like the, just like that. Um, <laughs> you're the worst. Oh, man. Sorry. I had he to. was evangelizing. He was, he, he was handing out Mark tracks. Yeah. Driscoll tracks. The uh, book of Mark. The um, book of Mark. Yeah, another another method that is um, a lot of people think of evangelism under two headings, like tracks or door to door. Yeah. Personally speaking, I have had um, not a lot of success, and I, I use it the way we've defined it. I can't get folks to usually answer the door because no. they think I'm selling vacuums, a right. pyramid scheme, or I'm a Mormon. Uh, so yes. yeah. I've it, there or, we, uh, or with or with your with your beard you're trying to trying to like get someone to join a union 
Yes. So uh, we did an interesting thing. For seminary, we had to do, for one of our classes, we had to do four hours of door-to-door. Wow. That's like, that's like, it, like fundamental Baptist level. Yeah. Of and it had to be door-to-door. Women. It had, had to be door-to-door. A friend, wow. uh, uh, we, a friend and I did it um, four hours. Zero people answered the door. A lot of people like looked through the window and then walked away. Right. And they saw some kid with his shirt tucked in and a tie and a high high cut haircut, and they're like, "Yeah, no." I was wearing a polo, but um, it, but it was two other in, seminary guys did a few um, neighborhoods over. Which so my friend and I were in a very affluent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They were in a very poor, more diverse neighborhood, and they actually got like invited in, fed. Um, had a chance to explain the gospel in full. So some of it is cultural and contextual with the door-to-door thing. I will say that. Sure. Um, What what are some like, so besides those normal ones, what would be, um, or paying for a plane to to drag a banner around, like what what would be normal church, normal people kind of evangelizing? What's like one of the first things that pops up in your head, like, you, Joe, normal Christian, evangelizing. Yeah. What is it? Um, I think I think a huge one is uh, people at your work. You know, inviting them to your church, getting them involved. They're meeting with them one on one. I think I think the most effective way is actually creating and fostering a real, a real, not a fake, a real relationship with somebody, with the purpose of showing them and giving them Christ. And this is a this is a lasting thing. So this can be your people at work, people um, at church that that might not be believers that that are trying to that are there to check stuff out. I think uh, it's very effective when you can actually foster a one-on-one relationship with somebody, and that be the avenue uh, in which the gospel is shared. So why do you say the one-on-one? Because I in our in some circles, they would say that that person is more likely then to receive Christ because you you carry more weight with them. But I I don't think that's what you're meaning. No, 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 no. I just think that in our culture today, I think I want the individual to know that I care about them. Yes, that's the key. And that's why I'm giving them the gospel. It's not because I think I'm better than them. It's not because I think uh, that I'm trying to sell them something. I want the individual to know that I am genuinely invested in you. I care about you. And I want to show you that by actually fostering a relationship, having a relationship with you mm-hmm. so that when I do give them the gospel, it doesn't come across cold or as a sales pitch. It's like, no, no, this person has put the time in. Mm-hmm. This person has actually shown that they do care about me, my life, my well-being, my family. And it's not, and I'm not doing that as, as like a like a used car salesman. It's because we are called as Christians to generally love our neighbor. Your neighbor. Yeah. That is so what, what if they you share the gospel, they reject it. Do you move on? No, of course you don't. If if that person is here's the thing, you don't and that's where it's different from selling a car. If everything that you you worked for failed and they didn't buy the two hundred, you know, the two hundred thousand dollar Mercedes or whatever, you move on. That that's not what this is. It's not a sales pitch. Yeah. We are called to love them no matter what. Even if they reject it, I'm still called to love and show them Christ and that's never going to change. Yeah, you're still called to be a voice of the gospel in their life. Right. 
I would say, um, so definitely with people you work with, um, as you know, we just moved locations. Um, so we are wanting to start meeting the neighbors. We think that God has providentially planted us next to these people. So we think it is his will, providence-wise, to share the gospel with them. Yeah. So we are going to um, get to know them invite them over, try to get to, um, yeah, share life with them with the intent of loving them as ourselves and sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. And that's tough and super uncomfortable, Sure, but, uh, very neat. I went for a walk this, uh, just this afternoon thinking through some sermon stuff and, um, was just kind of staggered at the thought of all the houses I was passing. I'm just going, man, there's a lot of work to be done. Mm. A lot of, a lot of people live in these homes and don't know Christ. Yeah. Um, there's some higher level versions of evangelism where you would, where not like it's, it's more superior, but it's a harder field. Yeah. I think, I, I think one, and this is more specifically toward churches and I think leaders in, in church pastors and elders, um, a counseling ministry Mm-hmm. A biblical counseling ministry in the church, not only is it very needed for the members of your church, the people that are actually going there, it is also one of the most um, effective uh, evangelical tools I have ever seen. Ever. Um, you slap a sign on the door that says free counseling in your community, and the counseling remains free as long as you continue to come to church. Good gracious. Yeah, you will be amazed at the amount of hurting people that are out there. That and they already know they're broken. And you already know they're broken. And 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 they and and they will walk into the church just because of perhaps some strange sense of like mystical power. Like, well, you know, maybe I'll give this God thing a try. And the the effect, like, just they literally come to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, um, it like half the where they done. jump into the boat. It's man, yes, it's man fishing where you don't even need a you don't even need a net. Yeah, I think a, a, be a very very good way to reach the broken and the hurting. Huge, huge. Yeah, I would I would highly. I mean, I've 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 encouraged churches before to start counseling sessions or excuse me, counseling ministries, and I think that that is one of the main reasons why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, free counseling, or if you'd made it more specific, free free marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, one spouse wants the counseling, the other is willing, but doesn't want to pay for it. Hey, yeah. all right, I'll go because it's free. Yeah. And they're right. sitting in your chair or across from you and you get to share the gospel with them. That's huge. That's huge. Um, another one is like preaching the gospel outside of abortion mills um, or going to city council and doing it uh, under the uh, open mic for citizens kind of section that, that that's, that's, um, that's tough. That's deeper into the pool. That is that is what I would call uh, front lines, front lines ministry, especially the abortion mill. Yeah, especially he- abortion heavy ministry. spiritual attack. Yep, lots of opposition. Yep, um, but needed. Very much. Um, yeah, I think one of, one of the things that we just need to um, emphasize here at the end would be to start somewhere. Because if we start thinking of like, man, abortion mail ministry, going to city council, counseling, I'm not even certified. We can start getting overwhelmed by all those things. My thing would be start 
start with where you're at. Start with the people you work with and the people you live next to. Yeah. And slowly, incrementally grow from there. Um, or a lot of people say they don't know the gospel well enough. Um, I was really, so spoiler, I didn't tell you this until just now. Oh, no. uh, sermon on Sunday is on evangelism. Um, I'm not going to be there. Oh, well, it's fine. You got it all figured out. so i'm reading a book on psalm 119 by charles bridges who's a boss who wrote it when he was 33 years old and makes me feel like a scum but here's what he said i'll I'll just read you a short short piece i promise it'll be short um that's what you say at the beginning of every sermon no i don't have trust i I have trust issues yes you should He, he he's talking about people who say like well isn't you know what if it's not the right time for me to speak of Christ? Okay. Or what if I don't, um, you know, know enough that I'm not able to answer every question or speak eloquently on the gospel? Okay. He says a stammering confession is better than silence. Oh. If we cannot say all that we want of or for our Savior then let us say what we can. What a man. Dude. Golly. Dude, you know, here's the thing. And that, I think, yeah, in closing, that becomes so much easier to do when you trust in the sovereignty of God for salvation and you know that you are called to simply share the truth of Christ and his gospel. The results are up to God. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about being eloquent. Don't worry that you will you will stammer and fumble over your words. Share the gospel authentically. And even if it is, even if it is as fumbling as you know, some attempts that I've had where you know I'm I'm really bad. And Jesus saved me. Mm-hmm. He gave me his life and he gives me his righteousness. And I trust in his grace. You know, like it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be a sermon. It just has to be real. And it has to be true. Mm-hmm. And people will know if it is. People will very quickly sniff out if it's a rehearsed spiel yeah. versus a true statement of something mm-hmm. that that is real to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I was super encouraged when he said to a stammering confession. Oh, um, get so it. I was scanning for for the other one because um, because often our our thing is to be we're often ashamed of the gospel. We're afraid of what they'll think of us. We're afraid of it being awkward or it's hard or. He, I forget where he says it, but he, he says it just so pointedly and, and painfully. He said, um, you who once gloried in your shame, will you now be ashamed of your glory? Oh, Whoa, what a man. He said, he oh. who despised the shame of the cross for you. Oh, come on. Bro. Stop. You can't hit me with that this late in the day. Stop. <laughs> I know most, well, some of the people who listen don't go to our church, and many people who go to our church don't listen. But uh, they might, I don't want people to hear us say all of this and think, man, those guys must have it together. 
We oh, don't. Okay. I, I would actually say this is our church's most glaring weakness. I would say it's one of my own personal most glaring weaknesses. Same. So th- this is not two guys who have it all figured out or, you know, a church who has it dialed in. I, I would, someone asked me yesterday, actually, we had them for dinner about like the next big thing that needs to change uh, or that I'm working on at a church. I said, well, our, our heart for the loss and witnesses almost non-existent in, mm. in the way it's working out. So we need, that needs to change. So um, you're not alone. If you look at your life and say, you know what, I'm not doing this at all. I'm not doing it well. Um, but let's, let's stammer rather than be silent. Mm. Yep. Christ can take feeble stammerings and turn them into something amazing. It's often what he's most pleased to do. Yes, it is. Our friends, we hope that this was an encouragement. We hope that it was not a discouragement. We hope that you come away from this um, emboldened and encouraged to share the gospel because you know the results are up to God. You trust in his sovereignty. And uh, we hope that we gave you some, hopefully some good, uh, some good insights. Um, and if we did, follow us on all the sociables, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, at Reformatory Pod. Uh, it costs money to do this podcast. So if you would not mind, if you feel so inclined for the cost of one coffee a month, you too could be a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash reformatory podcast. And you will hear your name shouted, hallowed in the halls of greatness on this podcast as we thank you publicly uh, for your contribution to this cause. This is a cause now, Daniel. I've just, I've just, I've just, we're, we're a we are a movement. We are a social movement. We are going to let y'all go. Thank you for listening uh, to this longer ep of Reformatory. We've been, we've been creeping longer and longer, Daniel. It's kind of like you're- Because people are paying. We're giving them more content. That's true. Oh yes, that's it. Well, maybe if they start paying, we should give them shorter content. <laughs> <laughs> if we see a sudden spike in giving, we'll know. Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Reformatory. Oh. Bye.